0: What's up, folks? What's going on? Welcome to episode 111 of the Spun Today podcast. I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. Shout out to 111th Street, the street that I grew up on in Richmond Hill, Queens, New York. And once again, I'm your host, Tony Ortiz. Thank you very much for listening. In this episode, I speak about UFC 229 and the recent historical trade between the UFC and one championship. I speak about a bunch of recent comedy specials, including Burt Kreischer's, Joe Rogan's, Adam Sandler's, and an upcoming montage special of a fleet of savage comics. I also speak about watching Avengers Infinity War and the Venom movie. I speak about Season 6 of Orange is the New Black and Ozark Season 2. Lastly, I circle back on the Pusha T and Drake Rat beef. In light of some new information from each side. So stick around if you're into any of that good stuff. If you're new to the podcast and would like to help support, check out my book, Make Way For You Tips for Getting Out of Your Own Way. It's available in any and every ebook platform of your choosing, as well as in paperback via Amazon.com. For more information about the book, check out com forward slash books there you also have the opportunity to drop in your email address and get a free copy delivered to you in a digital format of your choosing again go to spuntoday.com forward slash books another way to help support the podcast is by becoming a patreon for more on that go to patreon.com forward slash that's patreon spelled p-a-t R E O N dot com forward slash spun today. There, you're able to make a financial contribution to the podcast on a recurring basis in an amount of your choosing, whether it be a dollar, two dollars, a couple of G's, or whatever your heart desires. Again, for that option, go to patreon.com forward slash spun today. All right, let's get into some UFC talk. Or MMA talk, rather. Did you guys see UFC 229? Shout out and kudos to Khabib Nurmagomedov, who remains undefeated and beat Connor as many people thought that he would. I felt that in the fight, Connor, like I I, uh, went over prior to the event, Uh, Connor's chance of winning would be. And this wasn't, you know, like a unique opinion or anything like that. Uh, but his chances of winning would be within the first two rounds. And uh, I, I thought he would be able to pull it off. But that was not the case. He showed some good defense uh, in the very first round um, to Khabib's uh, uh, takedowns. Uh, but then, you know, soon soon enough, as expected by uh, most Khabib supporters and most... Uh, Uh, pundits Uh, Khabib's just onslaught of wrestling just outclassed Conor like it outclasses anybody else in the UFC and he was able to keep and press Conor down Conor in my opinion did not look himself he's uh, he definitely definitely had ring rust I know uh like Dominic Cruz for example doesn't believe in ring rust he thinks that you know when you're at a certain elite level You know, you can take off for five years and come back, and it'll be like you haven't taken off a day because you stay in that mode, stay in that conditioning cycle. But Connor has $100 million. Connor or had. I'm sure he's blown a lot of it. The way he spends. Um, Hopefully, he's invested wisely. As he says, he has. But it's also his first MMA fight in two years. And in that two-year span, he had one boxing fight uh, with Floyd Mayweather. So, he definitely, definitely had some ring rust going on. He didn't look himself. He didn't seem to be able to, like, catch, you know, have, like, control of the range that he normally has control over and, like, the weird angles that he he, uh, hits fighters with. He um, didn't seem to be able to hit Khabib cleanly, and the handful of times that he did, it didn't seem to have the same, you know, impact uh, behind it bind his punches like uh he normally does it didn't look like so, something was off with connor it didn't look like like that mystic mac fucking he calls it it happens time and time again uh fighter then after it pretty much smashed him and uh you know Connor didn't look good towards like the second half of the first round the entire second round then the third round, he started looking a little better. And then he got caught in the neck crank uh, that submitted him. He submitted again, which sucks. It um, uh, tapped out, rather, again. But it is what it is. Uh, Khabib was definitely the be- better fighter that evening. And unfortunately, the whole thing got the aftermath of the fight outshone. The incredible performance by Khabib in just completely dominating Conor and what a what a like not just moral victory but just like a such a satisfactory victory that must have been after going through all the shit that he went through with uh connor and his shit talking his style of, of promoting a fight um with his disrespectful antics and khabib is like the polar opposite of that he's Uh, a devout Muslim and and he's all about respect and he's like the the martial artist kind of um, zen be respectful of the art type of of fighter and Connor is by all means obviously a martial artist but he's also a showman he's also a, a prize fighter and he knows that his goal is to get as much money as he possibly can that should have been how it ended on a high note, and then Khabib uh, jumped over the fence and went after one of uh, uh, the guys from Connor's camp, which was talking shit the whole time as well and was being disrespectful, supposedly. And um, he hit him, and you know, there was like a little brawl outside of the cage, but then two guys from Khabib's camp jumped into the cage, and one of them uh, sucker-punched Conor. Uh, Connor swung at one of them. I believe first that it was coming at him and then another one like sucker punched him and it was just like a big melee that happened at the end. And that's like everything that was being spoken about, you know, after the fight and it sucked that it ended that way. However, from just like a, a hype and attention standpoint, it was what everybody was speaking about the day after and the day after that and the day after that it's kind of like a bad look for the sport and you know in terms of you know the ufc just signed contact with espn and going you know uber mainstream from you know taking a step up from the the stigma that the ufc has always had in quote-unquote being human cockfighting and then they they got to the deal with fox you know they took that step up and now they're uh they took the step of of Going from Fox to ESPN, which is that much more mainstream, and ESPN is owned by Disney, which is obviously like a, a family type of company, and this was probably not a not a good look in that respect. However, in terms of hype, since it's you know nobody can stop speaking about it, what happened? It's very exciting and very good when looked at through that lens when looked at through the lens of we can hype this shit out of a rematch now the same way that the ufc promoted and and used like the footage of of connor throwing the dolly at the bus which shattered the the window and he had to go to court for here in new york and they used that time and time and time again to egg on um, this fight like the hype behind this fight especially since connor uh he came out and said, you know, the reason why there wasn't so much like press is because he wrote that had that written into his contract saying that he just wanted to focus on the fight and he'll do like one or two media obligations and that's it. And so they used like that whole Dolly thing to hype up this fight. Um hyping up a rematch will be just as easy by you know using this clear animosity that continued to bubble over even after the fight in the uh, with each camp and like in the fight too i didn't see this but um you know uh, I, I didn't bother looking it up i heard it from very reliable sources that i listened to like brendan schaub and and um i think ariel hawani as well during the fight like either in between rounds connor said something to the effect um to khabib saying that it was only business you know everything was only business and so obviously, you know, Khabib didn't take it as his only business. He took it as very disrespectful to speak about his family, to speak about his religion, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And, you know, what happened, happened. The Nevada State Athletic Commission was holding uh, each fighter's purse uh, for some time afterwards. Conor got his soon after, meaning by his purse, meaning his money. And I believe Khabib's has been released to him now as well and Conor is obviously itching for a rematch to get that that loss back the same way he did with Nate Diaz um when he lost the first match you know he fought him again and won the second and but this was a very it was very one-sided the fight it was very Khabib dominated Conor so it's hard to sell if it was any other fighter besides Conor it's hard to sell a rematch however since it's Conor and Conor could hype up himself like shadow boxing and actually sell it. Plus the melee that happened after the match, this is a good chance that that it would happen, in my opinion, or that it should. I know, like for example, like a Tony Ferguson. I'm sure doesn't see it that way, and he had a spectacular fight against um, Anthony Pettis. It was, I believe, fight of the night, and that was dope. And he's definitely, you know, he was the champion pre-con you know Connor got stripped for you know taking off for two years and and uh fighting mayweather and tony ferguson was the champion you know he fought for for the vacated belt and won and then tony ferguson had an unfortunate accident where he was on stage doing a, a a ufc uh like press conference responsibility thing and he tripped on some like camera wire or lighting wire or something like that and he the ligament from his knee like one of the ligaments completely ripped off the bone like cleanly like if you guys google and like see his scar it's like one of the worst scars i've ever seen for like some sort of you know like operation he had to get like staples and like his whole shit like the scar looks like the size of his shin for example it's crazy shit. So then that happened. So then they stripped him because he couldn't fight for a very long time. And they some thought that he would never fight again. And he actually came back in record time and fought Anthony Pettis in a uh, spectacular fight of the night performance. So I'm sure he's going to want to get in there to get what's in from his vantage point, And I can't say I disagree with him. Uh, the title that's rightfully his. And I wouldn't be mad at that, but it's, let me see, it's October now. They they could be able to do both fights. I would say if the UFC can do Tony Ferguson versus Khabib somewhere in like February, around there, February, maybe even March, and then do Connor Connor Khabib too, for the July 4th card, that would be pretty dope. I think that would be, a, uh, uh, dope. And that's of course, assuming that Connor, uh, that I'm sorry, that, uh, could beats Tony, which is, which is no walk in the park. And honestly, even, even if he didn't, it kind of would be dope to see con, you know, not just give Connor a title fight, uh, right after, uh, he lost the the title fight. And just cause he's Connor, and make it let's say tony beats khabib have connor fight khabib again for the july card have that rematch and have tony like headline that card with um uh who else would be up there i don't know whoever's like the number one contender after that and then have the winner of connor khabib fight uh tony ferguson for the belt if tony beats khabib anyway it was a dope card the the second thing that stole the show, which I'll put in the episode notes, is the post-fight interview of Derek Lewis with uh, Joe Rogan. He was losing his fight to, to was it Ozdemir? Or Ozdemir fought this weekend. Volkov. He was losing the fight to Volkov and at the end pulls out like a bomb fucking knockout. Like in the last like 30 seconds or some crazy shit like that of the last round. And... You know, he's completely out of breath. He was you know, getting getting beat the whole fight and pulls off this victory. And then he in the post fight interview, you know, he takes off his shorts. He has like two layers of shorts on. He takes off one of them and everybody's like, The fuck is this dude doing? And then, um Rogan Rogan asks him right away. And true Rogan me he's like, Um, why'd you take off your pants? And without skipping a beat, Derek Lewis just says, My balls was hot. that shit is hilarious he has like t-shirts printed out now with his face on it saying my balls was hot like it's it's like a whole thing it's pretty cool and then he goes on to say shit like um uh donald trump called me and told told me that that him and putin um uh, are making him look bad and I, i gotta knock this russian motherfucker out for him or some shit like that which is funny then he tells rogan that he wants to go on rogan's podcast uh to smoke weed with him and it was dope it was a dope uh, post fight to you i'll link that in the episode notes for you guys to check it out the next point of ufc talk uh, mma talk that i want to reference is a historic trade it's never been done before this is the first time ever a trade between two different organizations mma organizations one is the UFC, obviously, and the other one is one championship, which I had never heard of before this trade happened. And I should have heard of it because the person that they traded for was Ben Askren, and Ben Askren has been on Rogan's podcast, and Ben Askren is thought of by most the best uh welterweight on the planet. He's undefeated. But he doesn't fight in the UFC. And the reason he doesn't fight in the UFC is because he has this, like, long-term beef with uh, UFC president Dana White. And they never – either they he was in the UFC and they released him uh, because of the this, like, personal issue that they had, or he was just, like, never signed. One of the two. I don't remember what it is. But now, lo and behold, they make this historic trade, first time ever, for Ben Askren. And they traded away Demetrius Johnson, Mighty Mouse, which sucks to see him go, especially after a loss. It's kind of like, fuck. You know, he just lost and for the first time ever. Not the first time ever. Sorry. He lost, it's probably like his third loss, I want to say, maybe second, but it's the first time he lost after defending the 125 pound championship more times than... Any other championship has ever been defend, uh, defended. I think it was 12 times. So he was the most reigningest champion in the UFC. And he lost his last fight, which I was really anticipating him winning so that he can fight uh, TJ Dillashaw, which is a 135-pounder. And um, that would have been dope to see. But alas, we're not going to see that, like I spoke about in a previous episode. And now we're not going to see it at all because uh, DJ is going to... One championship He's no longer going to be fighting for the UFC They bought out each other's contracts And Ben Ashgren is coming to the UFC Now it's pretty dope That Ben Askren is coming though Because he's like I said regarded as one of the best Multi-weights ever He's undefeated He It's like some crazy stat Like in his last 10 fights Like never even got punched or something like that He's like a sick wrestler Like uh, Khabib He talks a lot of shit Like he talks shit like Conor talks shit supposedly he's been, you know, calling out mad people in the UFC already. And, you know, he's been itching to fight the UFC because he, in his opinion, is obviously the best. And he just, you know, couldn't get into the organization because of, like, politics and shit. And um, uh, so it'll be dope to see. I'm excited to see him fight, to see his first fight in the UFC. Now, D- now DJ going to one championship, like, I kind of feel like it's, I don't know. Like, Bellator is the only other league that gives the UFC competition in terms of like name recognition and and uh, the class of fighters that it has and that's largely because a lot of fighters that weren't the UFC and had like contract disputes and stuff like that some of them went to uh, Bellator but Bellator is still a very distant second to the UFC in terms of like size and revenue and you know being like the game in town and 1FC I was just like why 1FC like why not you know, obviously Ben Ashkin was there, and that's who the UFC wanted, I guess. But why not, you know, my first thought was, why not, like, Bellator or something like that. But it makes sense now, which I didn't know, because Matt Hume, which is Demetrius Johnson's trainer, is a VP at one championship. Um, So it was interesting. I didn't know that at all. So it kind of makes sense why he wound up there. And what I'm excited for is that this, I think, starts to set, like, a precedent for down-the-line being able to see how we saw, for example, Conor versus Mayweather, you know, it's a, like a cross promotion type of thing, but we can probably see it even more more frequently so since it's all MMA, um, seeing fights between different organizations like the heavyweight championship, uh, heavyweight champion of Bellator versus the heavyweight champion of, of the UFC, for example and see stuff like that like some cross promotion stuff down the line. Now it seems like it would make more sense cuz something like this like a trade was even crazier than that, like a crazier thought than that. And it happened. So it's pretty interesting shit. Next up we got some comedy talk. So I'm into stand up in comedy like I've told you guys in the past I tell I tell you guys about different specials that I see that I feel are are worth uh speaking about. I don't speak about all of them, but I saw uh, recently, probably a few weeks ago already, uh, Bert Kreischer's Secret Time, which is now streaming on Netflix. And it was super funny. Kreischer's a, a comedy store comic. He's from like Rogan's camp, you know, like the, like a group of, of comics that uh, gained, um, you know, they were popular within their own rights, but uh, gained a lot of popularity from being part of, of like that group of funny stand-up comics and he really blew up after telling the machine story which i'm sure i've like referenced in the past and have linked to in other episode notes or something like that or definitely have tweeted it follow me on twitter at spun today by the way and um he has a new special called secret time and it's streaming on netflix he has this really funny bit with like parts of it were a little not cringeworthy but he was like like talking shit about his kids like yo my daughter's dumb this and that blah, blah 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 which is funny in a in a satirical way but then at the same time i'm kind of like like damn imagine his kid like seeing it it's probably like damn dad you think i'm dumb but i know they're comics you know this is like the way they think um and i'm probably just getting like softer after like having a kid or getting like more sensitive to that type of thing but don't get me wrong was still like funny as shit And he has this really, really uh, funny bit, spoiler alert, that, and I'm not going to say the bit, so I'm not going to completely spoil it, but, like, the, he ties in one of his daughters, like, doing dumb shit, like, putting deodorant in the fridge because it says it's to keep, keep it fresh or something like that. And he goes into this whole, like, long thing about that, and then he ties that in with time travel, and it, like, tied it in, like, so perfectly, like, so well. That it made, like, the whole shitting on his daughter thing. One of his daughters, or both of his daughters actually did. But this specific bit was about one of his daughters. It, like, made the whole bit worth it. So, it was pretty funny. Check it out. It's called Burt Kreischer's Secret Time. Next up is Joe Rogan's uh, latest comedy special. Also streaming on Netflix. called Strange Times. I liked better... Rogan's previous special to this which was called triggered that's my favorite rogan special of all and uh this one was all really good it was funny I did like triggered more than this one it's probably because I listen to so much of uh, Rogan like from his podcast and stuff like that I know like a bunch of his premises or his point of view on, on a lot of things that comes out in his comedy so it kind of sort of takes down um, for me a notch but it's still enjoyable still worth watching in my opinion I still watch them all um he did have this really funny bit about the uh, Thomas Jefferson and like bringing him like if uh, we built a time machine and brought Thomas Jefferson back to now um one of the first things he would say is wait a second you guys didn't write any new shit <laughs> like in terms of the constitution and and stuff like that so it was pretty funny anyway Check it out. It's called Strange Times by Joe Rogan, and it is now streaming on Netflix. Next up is Adam Sandler's latest comedy special, which is called 100% Fresh, also streaming on Netflix. Netflix is like the go-to spot, if you haven't noticed, for like comedy specials they have. Some argue too many, some say actually i haven't heard anybody say like the right amount but some people think that now it's like everybody and anybody uh gets a special on netflix and it's like you know people like comedy specials i don't i don't mind it to be honest i don't think it like dilutes it like so the argument is that so many people get have a comedy special now that there's not they're not all good like they're not all like special quote-unquote anymore but it's like something for everybody kind of you know it's not like every tv show on the air is not good every movie that comes out is not good doesn't mean every single comedy special has to be fucking amazing and you know different comics appeal to different people with different tastes and i digress anyway adam sandler is not necessarily my favorite style of funny although i enjoy his type of funny like that silly comedy uh type of thing you know whether it be in his movies or or uh like most of his stand-up was but i do enjoy par- um enough of it to watch it you know what i mean like enough parts of it to watch it you know he does he does it's not like a traditional comedy special first off he like cut together a bunch of different shows similar to how chris rock did with bigger and blacker i think it was bigger and blacker like that special where he did you know the same show in different locations and just like cut together like, the best parts of each and put them together for the the recording. He did that, which is cool. Um, but he he does a lot of, like, singing songs and, you know, playing the guitar and uh, stuff like that uh, within, you know, riddled throughout. And um, one of the most hilarious songs are My Uber Driver Smells Bad which I'm probably going to drop in the episode notes. Uh, I'm sorry, in the outro of this episode, I'll probably drop the song. It's like a minute long, a minute and a half long or something like that. But it's hilarious. It's like a rap song about in a word driver that smells bad. Anyway, <laughs> the most memorable and part of it for me was a dedication that he did at the end for Chris Farley, uh, which was really funny and really touching. And he shows a lot of, like, iconic uh, SNL clips and Tommy Boy clips of Chris Farley, like, on a big screen, like, behind him while he's playing the guitar. And he fucking plays the guitar really well, by the way. I mean, coming from somebody that does not know shit about playing guitar, except for taking, I think, like, four guitar lessons ever and never being able to retain anything of it. I wouldn't be able to tell the difference between something that adam sandler played on the guitar and something that tom morello played on the guitar i'm joking i'm um, slightly joking <laughs> i'm exaggerating for the effect exaggerating to make the point but it's not far from the truth like i don't have like that musical ear where i can tell like what's good or what's not i'm just saying to me it sounded good check it out it's called 100 fresh and it's adam sandler's latest special and it's now streaming on netflix and last point on comedy stuff. There is a string of 30-second comedy specials coming out on the 30th, which uh, is in two days from now. I'm recording this episode on October 28th, um, 2018. The This string of comedy specials comes out on October 30th. 2018 and this podcast drops on november 1st 2018 so at the time that you guys are listening to this if you listen to it when it drops uh the comedy specials will be live and streaming now on netflix as of last night anyways it's a bunch of comics that i um it's one two three four five six different comics Four of which I know from podcasts and uh, either seeing live or listening to the podcasts or listening to them on Rogan or listening to them on their own podcasts. And I'm really excited for a lot of them. It's a half hour specials. It's not a full hour specials, but still dope and still going to be on Netflix. One of them is Joey motherfucking Coco Diaz, which I've seen live. And I listen to his podcast, The Church of What's Happening Now, and he's one of my favorite guests when he's on uh JRE. Uh Big J Okerson, which is one of Ari's boys. He has his own podcast, if I'm not mistaken, or he's on a, on a couple. He's I think he's part of like uh Punch Drunk Sports and um Skankfest or is Skankfest podcast or is that like I don't know. Anyway, I think he has another podcast also, but I, I don't listen to that. I've heard him on Rowan. I've heard him on, on Ari's podcast, um, The Skeptic Tank, a bunch of times, and stuff like that. And I've mean, i I've seen his stand-up uh, before. He's funny. And um, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Christina P. Christina Pajitsky. I've seen her stand-up before. She is the co-host with her husband, tom segura which is a hilarious comic and also one of my favorite uh rogan podcast guests um they have a podcast called your mom's house and i've seen her stand up before she's hilarious really cool to to uh see her have a half hour um even though her last special was an hour so it's kind of like some people are like a half hour is kind of like less you know time-wise obviously it's less than than an hour but they see it as like a step down from doing an hour special um, but I don't know, is it? Is it not? You know, it's kind of like a, a new, different thing that uh, Netflix is, is coming out with. They did like 50 minute ones also, which I don't think did that good. But half hour, it's a dope amount of time, I think. Uh, Brad Williams, which I listened to in the About Last Night podcast, and I've heard, I've seen clips of his comedy before. I haven't seen like a full special or anything like that. He's a funny dude. I'm looking forward to that as well. And the other two I have not heard of. I think one of them, Lisa Traeger. Traeger, I've heard the name before, but I don't know anything about her. And also, same goes for Yamanika Saunders. But if they're part of this ensemble, quote-unquote, cast of the Degenerates special, which is what it's going to be called, and they are in good company. You know, they must be worth their salt. If they're being lumped together with those other hilarious folks. And I'm looking forward to these degenerate comics. And watching that special. Check it out. It's going to be called The Degenerates. And we will be streaming live now on Netflix. Next up is some movie talk. Alright, two movies that I've seen. Two Marvel movies. uh, One of which has been out for a minute. That I haven't spoken about. Which is Avengers Infinity War. I believe it's the third Avengers movie. If I'm not mistaken. Or is it the fourth? I'm not sure. But it's the Infinity War. The one with Thanos. And it was super good. It did not disappoint. I know I had a ton of hype behind it. I didn't hear anything bad about it. After after the fact. And I just heard that the ending is like. What the fuck? And the ending was. What the fuck? Um, especially if you did not if you do not uh, follow like the comics or anything like that, which I didn't, so I didn't know what to expect. And I would imagine that this type of thing happened in the comics um, or what happened in the movie. Spoiler alert. I'm going to spoil the whole shit for you. If you continue to listen, I'll give you a second to fast forward uh, about a minute or two. But, uh, yeah, and if it's not, if it wasn't part of the comics, it's even that much more baldy on the part of marvel to like include something like this in the movie but i'm pretty sure it had to be in it my my money is on this happened in the comic books and marvel is just doing what they do and implementing the comic books but you know the anything written to screen goes through a different process called screenwriting and they can you know it's still marvel Marvel content, they can take the liberties that they want to take. They didn't have to theoretically include this, but it is the Infinity War and I'm sure they're building up to something even bigger. But I could also see an alternate reality where they didn't end it the way that they did, and they just continue making movies and movies and movies and movies and movies with all the people that they killed at the end. Yes, that's right. A shitload of motherfuckers died in Infinity War. Spoiler alert. It's like Thanos gets what he wanted, which is the, all the infinity stones, right? And when he got all of them, all he had to do was snap his fingers and it would kill half of everything in the universe, half of all humans, half of all aliens, half of all people from Asgard, half of all people from everywhere, half of everything dies, from him snapping his fingers and the Avengers were unsuccessful in stopping him from getting all these stones and that's exactly what happened he wound up snapping his fingers and everybody died and there was this like long montage style set of scenes at the end of the movie where people were dying people were literally disintegrating into dust right before everybody else's eyes spider-man fucking died spider-man the amazing spider-man dies dr strange dies so many people black panther i think died right am i wrong i think black panther died too it was like a whole bunch of people like what that person died i felt like i was watching game of thrones even though i don't watch game of thrones but i know that a big thing in game of thrones is that people that you don't expect to die dying every fucking every week or whatever. It's like everybody in the mother died. Nick Fury, the head of the whole fucking Avengers fucking, you know, organization force thing dies. And at the end he like beeps with a two-way pager. Um Captain Marvel which is Obviously going to be at the center of the next movie, which is the final Avengers movie, if I'm not mistaken. And she's going to come, like, save the day. And she's, like, the most powerful superhero ever or something like that. She's, like, Superman, but a woman and in the Marvel universe. I don't even know, like, where her powers are and stuff like that, but we're going to find out. She's going to come wreck shit. And, um yeah, like, the whole the after the credits scene at the end. Uh Thanos uh still alive, he lives and he looks like all like hurt and shit. Or like beat down. Because the whole thing like war on him. But I don't know, he's still alive. So I'm pretty sure she's gonna come and wreck that ass. Next up is Venom the movie. Went to the movie theater to watch this with my wife. It's our probably like our favorite thing to do. Like, date-wise, is go to the movies. We like that shit. And we went to go see Venom. And I like Tom Hardy. I like Tom Hardy movies. He's an amazing actor. I was excited to see a Venom movie. um, Because Venom is, like, one of the cool, like, villains. Has always been, like, kind of one of the cool villains to me. I don't know if it's, like, the whole black thing. You know, being, like, an all-black or whatever. But I don't know. I The little that I did follow, like, comics or, like, cartoons and stuff like that, Venom was always, like, a, he's, like, a known, he's, like, the Joker for Batman, you know what I mean? He was, like, that for Spider-Man. Um, it was interesting to see him in his own little, like, spinoff movie and then having Tom Hardy play him, you know, bigs it up that much more. I thought it was a good movie, but I didn't love it. Like, I didn't come out of it like, holy shit, this is so dope. Um, I really like that. The bad guy in it was, um, I forget his real name, but the actor that played Nas in The Night Of, which if you guys haven't seen, you know, go back to listen to like my ranting and raving about that, that uh, miniseries on HBO, but it was amazing, an amazing miniseries, a great show called The Night Of, and the main character's name is Nas and he plays the bad guy in Venom. So it was entertaining. It was worth watching. I thought it was good. Um, I just didn't love it. You know, it didn't like want to immediately watch it again or anything like that. It was a good movie though. Uh, a takeaway, a good takeaway from it, from watching it, not just the movie, but from the previews of upcoming movies were two Creed two, which I'm looking forward to watching. I enjoyed uh Creed one, I like Michael B. Jordan. Um I think he has a touch too much hype behind him in terms of like acting wise, his acting chops or whatever. But, you know, I see the the appeal of him and um he's a good actor. And I like him as well. So just not just not to like the nth degree type of thing. But looking forward to Creed two. You know, it's a Rocky movie to Rocky movies always like feel good. You know they Rocky movies check off all the boxes that they're supposed to check off in perfect like story structure form. Every convention for its genre is checked off. It's like you know what you're getting going in. You are entertained, and it's a, it's a satisfying experience. The other one, the other movie that looks really good based on the previews is a movie for Aquaman which is he's pretty much he's a dc character it looks like a really good dc movie another one you know like as good as you know like uh, dc did a really good job with like uh, wonder woman for example uh this looks like it could be l- like a really good f- not f- franchise might not be the right word but you know kind of like how Avengers like revamped like all the marvel movies type of thing um i think aquaman if done right can do the same thing for dc like it looked really really good and aquaman is like pretty much superman but like in the water type of thing and they get into like his backstory and like stuff like that and it, lo- it looks like it could be really good so i'm looking forward to that Alrighty, right let's get into some shows there's a couple shows that i'm going to speak about first up is orange is the new black Season 6, now streaming on Netflix, as well as, I'm sure you can see seasons 1 through 5 as well, but season 6 is the latest. Now, for those of you that don't know, Arjuns in the Black is a series about a female prison, and a bunch of female prisoners think Oz, but the female version, and a little more watered down. Until this season. This season got a little more realer, quote-unquote, in terms of the whole prison experience because the women from oranges and the New black you know in the in season five it ended with them in a riot and a guard dying and uh, uh one of the inmates died uh put in Poussey, uh which you know pretty much triggered the riot and there was like a lot of uncertainty After that season. And what's going to happen. Who's going to get more time. Who's going to be in jail for life. Or you know just what's going to happen. And the outcome was that pretty much. The women got shipped out. And you know a bunch of them got separated. And a bunch of them got shipped out to different prisons. But the prisons that they went to. Were like hardcore. More Oz like prisons. And Oz for those of the uninitiated. Was a. A male prison show on HBO many years ago, which was really good, really, really good, so in this one, season six, there's a bunch of new characters, obviously introduced, because the women from the Orange is the New Black, um, from the prison that they were in, in Litchfield, they got shipped out to all these other different prisons, most of them, and separated, or, you know, they went to different different areas of the prison, and stuff like that, so this is a lot of new storylines, that I thought they would, you know, keep the show going for a couple more seasons. But I guess not, because Orange is the New Black announced that the next season, season seven, is going to be its last. And the show is going to end after seven seasons, which is a great run. Great, great run. Especially for, I think, like one of the first, or at least one of the first popular original programming from Netflix. So kudos to them on that. And this season was interesting in that it showed... You know, a lot of like the backstory is really good uh, of like some of the new characters. Like there was this one girl, uh Spanish looking girl that was pretty much like a like a a female pimp on the outside and she would like pimp out her like girlfriends and stuff. Uh there was uh these two sisters which pretty much ran shit in the prison. Um, but they hated each other. They were like in two different blocks and it was like two it was like beef between like both blocks. It was like C block and D block. D block. D block. Sorry, I had to do that. Um and they pretty much like ran to prison, like both were like the shot callers in each block. And they went to jail because they back when they were like in high school, both of them. Like they were like a year or two apart from each other. And both in high school, their parents decided to move away because their little sister, that was like I don't know, nine or ten years old or something like that, they uh, she was like into figure skating and she was going to like uh, I don't know, the high school championships or something like that. And they had to move away to a new town, so the girls were like pissed off that they were gonna leave their school and leave other friends and shit like that. And because of the little girl, and they resented her, and they pretty much the little girl wanted to. I don't know. Release her turtles into the lake or some shit like that, and the parents said no because the lake is frozen over already. And she said that supposedly they can cut a little hole and put the put them in, and they'll be fine. And uh, that she had wanted to do it before they left, but the parents denied it and said no. The two sisters said that they would take her without the parents knowing, and they did. But what they did was, um, they took her there. Then they locked her inside the car and then pushed the car into the fucking river and killed the little girl and let her drown. And that's why they were in prison. And then they, like, resented and hated each other over some, like, dumb shit. And, you know, it was a bunch of, like, interesting characters like that. Interesting bad characters. There was another character that did. So, as you see, the show got, like, a little more real. This is what I mean by a little more real, like, a little darker. And, you know, a bunch of crazy bitches in prison. Basically, not just people that like got caught shoplifting or doing something with drugs or or whatever, you know, like it seemed to be in when they were at Litchfield. Um, there was this one lady that that was there because she like drowned her kid or her kids, um, you know, like crazy shit like that. So, there's a lot, it was a lot more dynamic, I thought, this season. Then it pretty much ended with a bunch of them getting early release um, because of all the bad publicity that the private prison got from the riot and stuff like that. They changed their name and they wanted to, you know, implement this system where they let, you know, 50 inmates out for early for good behavior or something like that. So they just picked the top 50 good ones, quote unquote. And, um, it was like this whole PR campaign type of thing to, that it wound up boiling down and working like that for the prisoners. But the reason behind it was just, you know, like PR shit, basically from the private corporation, which runs the prison. And this is what they wanted to do to clean up their image and blah, 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 blah. And help rehabilitate the the inmates and show that a bunch of them have already been rehabilitated and so forth on and on and on and on. And uh, long story short... um you know, like, Piper gets out, which is, like, the main one uh, that the the show was, like, written around, and uh, one of the other characters that gets out also is um, under the impression that she's getting out, and then she and she's also one of the main characters from the original season, and she is actually, like, a bunch of them start getting separated, and some of them walk out, and, you know, the families are waiting for them outside. And some of them get separated, as she did, and it was because she was getting deported back to DR. So, that was crazy. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with that. Maybe she's, you know, just done with the show, which will suck. Or maybe, you know, they'll show her storyline and trying to get back into the States or something like that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. She's actually my a friend of mine from high school. She's her cousin, which is pretty cool. I don't know her personally I met her I met her once, like back in the day, back when I was like in high school, I think, or like fresh out. but it was many years ago. Um who else? uh Dahlia, it was interesting, her storyline. it shows her pretty much getting deeper into the whole prison thing. like she gets into drugs, she gets into smuggling drugs, she gets into doing drugs, and she's like, she got more time. I think she got life. Um, and she's like, fuck it. You know, this is what my life is going to be now. So she just sent that uh, that life. Um, who else? Uh, her mother also, which was out started like to help the daughter kind of, and to make and meet and make more money. Um, well, actually not to help the daughter cause it was Dolly's idea, but, um, she was doing it to try to get more money, try to get enough money to get a place that had like three or four rooms um so she can get the her other children out of foster care but she needed like a bedroom for each one so she needs an apartment with like three or four rooms and she doesn't have the money to do so so she has this like whole scheme of uh with uh together with her daughter dahlia which is in jail uh smuggling the drugs and she gets this guard involved which uh, it's not her, like, boyfriend or whatever who's having, like, this whole, like, thrill ride fucking thing of of banging an ex-inmate and smoking drugs and shit like that. It's like a rush for him. Um, so it's interesting to see, like, those like character, like, paradigm shifts. And that was a good season. Check it out, folks. It's Orange is the New Black, season 6. Now streaming on Netflix. Next up is season two of Ozark also available on Netflix you can stream both season one and season two binge watch both of them bitches if you need to but definitely absolutely hands down number one recommendation watch this show I love this fucking show it's so dope it's so interesting it takes so many sharp unexpected turns and the premise of it let me just give you guys the premise of it so you can sort of kind of get an idea of what it is, is Jason Bateman, which is the main character, and I recently found out, uh, directed six of the episodes, and that's how he agreed to sign on to it, because he said he felt, um, and I'll link to the interview where he says this, with the Hollywood Reporter, he said that he felt he read the two scripts that were written at the time when he chose to sign up for the show, he said that he would sign up for it if he was able to direct as well. And since he has directed six of the episodes and the reason why is because he saw something in the character where he felt he needed to have, it might be, I guess you could look at it as like a control type of thing, but he said like, as an actor, you, you do certain things that you hope and have to trust that down the line in the editing room or down the line, uh, with the director that you know in all the stages after the acting that go on that hopefully they pick up on it and and um either include or or heighten and you know it could be like the the music that's chosen to be played during a certain scene and that can outshine a certain uh, what do you say, like like an inflection or a look or a smirk or something like that, that? As an actor, you have control over. But then, you know, the director could choose to cut away from that, or uh, focus into it too much, and the music could like outshine it, and the editing could just completely miss it and you know cut it out completely and like stuff like that. So he felt he can have a little more control on who he thought the character was and who the character could be. Um if he had he described it as having one hand on both sides of the steering wheel on the camera side and on the off camera side. He's been doing an amazing fucking job. It's so dope to see him in this role because it's a serious role, contrary to what Jason Bateman is used to playing in, you know, movies like Horrible Bosses, or like that Christmas party movie, and you know, like stuff like that, which is more like uh, comedic roles. Or Paul Uh, which he was like, you know, it was a comedy, obviously, but he was like, his role is semi-serious. And he does such an amazing job. He's really, really dope at what he does, man. And I really enjoy his interviews also. He's so knowledgeable about his craft. It's, It's infectious. The premise of the show is that Jason Bateman plays a financial advisor from Chicago that winds up in a position where he is unknowingly at first but then involved to the point where he has to like completely jump in um, laundering money for a Mexican drug cartel and with each after the first season I was like what the fuck can they do like now like where can this go and then the second season just went deeper and deeper and deeper and took sharper turns and it's like every time he corrects for something like you know he has an issue, he fixes that issue, he seems to simultaneously get get himself get out of that issue by getting himself into another issue, so he's like fixing one issue, getting himself into another one, fixing that issue, getting himself into another one, and he goes deeper and deeper and deeper, and it's like sharper, unexpected turns happen with like other characters as well, not just his and it's 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 a thriller like a motherfucker and very suspenseful, very very, very suspenseful um and you guys should check it out absolutely should there's a few key uh scenes in not key scenes but just i guess a couple that resonated with me that i wrote down um from season two which it, one of them is uh one of the characters called buddy and which was the owner of this house that they moved into when they moved from chicago to the ozarks in missouri is like dying from something, something like lungs related, I guess, because he has like a, a oxygen tank, stuff like that. But, you know, he is kind of like an eccentric fella. And it comes out later that he used to have when he was younger, like ties to the Kansas City mob. And he was a very interesting character. But anyway, in this season, he starts to uh, he has a scare where they take him to the hospital. and They think that, you know, even the hospital says that, you know, he's going to die soon. And he's like, fuck this. And he checks himself out of the hospital. He's like, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die in my own bed. And then he winds up blasting, spoiler alert, um, longer than expected. I'll say that. Um, and he doesn't die right away. And then there's a scene where he wakes up. It's early. And he pours himself a glass of whiskey. And he goes upstairs. And the mother's there. The mother of of uh, the family. That moved in. Which is Jason Bateman's wife. And um, they have two kids. And you know. He's having like a conversation with her. And some dialogue. And she's like you know. Isn't it too early for this? And then he tells her. And I quote. When you think you're going to die yesterday. Today is sweet. And that's from season 2. Episode 8. Of Ozark. And I thought that was a dope line. And just like a. Um. Uh, a resonating concept in and of itself, right? So, it's like if you felt... If you have like a near-death experience or something like that and you're supposed to die by all accounts and purposes the day before, the next morning must feel like heaven when you wake up. Then another dope scene, it's an exchange between Marty, which is Jason Bateman's character, and the lawyer for the drug cartel, which is like the in-between. Uh, Marty doesn't meet the employer, quote-unquote, drug cartel guy directly, um, he always deals or she always deals, um, with this, uh, lawyer character and this lawyer tells, you know, in Marty's having like a semi meltdown and he's saying that he, you know, the lawyer's pretty much saying that he has to take care of this issue with, um, this person or this party that is causing an inconvenience. And Marty's like, I'm not, you know, I'm not a killer. Like, I'm not, you know, I don't kill people. I don't, you know, you're telling me to take care of it. And you're insinuating that I should kill them or whatever, blah, 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 blah. I'm paraphrasing. But that's not me. I don't do that. And Marty goes and I quote, I'm an accountant. I move numbers around. And then the lawyer, without skipping a beat, responds, I'm a lawyer. I move words around. There are no victims here, right? Just volunteers. And that was like a dope exchange, I thought. And she checked them pretty good. And pretty much saying, yo there's we're none of us are victims, we're all just volunteers, and you know semi sarcastically saying that, and uh, but there's truth behind it, you know, like you didn't have to get involved um but they she kind of sort of le dicho that it's like there's one way out of this this life." you know we're all volunteers until we fucking die either by natural causes or by a bullet to the head but that's it like take care of this shit it's a dope show folks check it out it's called ozark now streaming on netflix for your viewing pleasure last but not least let's talk this uh pusha t drake kanye beef so I'm circling back to it. I've spoken about it in the past and the how excited I was to for like the diss tracks that were going back and forth. Then um, this guy, Jay Prince kind of quote supposedly put the like kibosh on the whole thing and uh, convinced Drake not to release some track that he had that was supposedly going uh, too far. And um, I don't know. I don't know if there's truth to that or not, but. I think that if there is, we might still be able to hear that track. I think that track might get leaked or something. But, um, and I like this. You know, I like, it's like the essence of hip-hop is battle rap. It's, it's kind of like we were talking about at the head of the show with the whole, like the melee of, in the UFC with uh, Conor Khabib and what happened after, and how it was so exciting to, like, see, even though it was, like, a a sore, sore eye for the organization, it's kind of also wanted, in a sense, you know, by, at at least, like, the viewing public, like, it's exciting, you know, you can't say it's not exciting, whether right or wrong, it's like, if you see a fight in the street, it's, like, kind of exciting, but, like, like, oh, fuck, you know, somebody's getting hurt type of thing, which is not, like, condonable or, like, a good thing, but there is an element of excitement to it, and as long as like in hip-hop like they keep it like on wax you know as long as they keep it on on record it has that equal level of excitement as long as you know the line doesn't get crossed to like the physical like we saw sadly obviously with the most notable case would be like biggie and tupac And how that got way out of hand um even like to a lesser extent like the ja rule and and 50 Cent Beef from like the early 2000s and stuff like that. There was like some couple shootings and stabbings and stuff like that, allegedly, but at least nobody died. But the essence of hip hop is like that comp, that competitive spirit that comes along with uh, the battling and like the diss tracks and stuff like that. So, so into all that shit. That's why I, I like battle rap, like Smack URL and and KOTD and. RBE, Rare breed entertainment in all those leagues, it's dope, like that's like the essence. And this is no different. That's why I was so excited about this very credible uh, Pusha T and Drake like back and forth. Now, since that, you know, everything getting Jay Prince putting the kibosh on it supposedly. Supposedly meaning supposedly Jay Prince, but I know there are other forces at play and other interests and um and by interest, I mean, like, in my opinion, probably, like, higher up corporate fucking money interests. seeing that it, maybe, because maybe it wouldn't even, like, this type of thing wouldn't go that high up. You know what I mean? I don't know. I wouldn't say that, like, somebody somewhere a lot higher up on the ladder was telling, like, Drake to lay off type of thing because it would be, you know, it'll hurt sales or something maybe, but I don't know kind of like thinking that through in my head and kind of doesn't make sense because it hypes it up but then at a certain level it doesn't like it doesn't you know drake is like a like a very sellable marketable act and makes a lot of money for a lot of people and this like the beef alone supposedly according to Pusha, like t side of it put the kibosh on drake's adidas line that was supposed to come out and it was because of like this back and forth. So maybe they're worried about other sponsorships falling through or something like that. I don't know. But I'm sure that was like part of the math, you know, like that was like in their heads. Anyway. Long story short, uh Drake was on uh LeBron's show on HBO called The Shop, which I've seen two episodes of and it was pretty good. It was I like the open format of it. I like the concept of, you know, it's like a barbershop, how you uh guys talk shit at the barbershop and a lot of different things are spoken about, which is true. But I didn't like... It It looked... It was like a touch overproduced, I think. It was like the haircuts that they were getting looked like fake haircuts. You know, either you're getting a haircut or you're not getting a haircut. Um, if not, just like sit around and shoot the shit like podcast format type of thing, you know? Um, but anyway. It, but it, it was a decent show. It was cool to see. Like LeBron, like cussing and shit. and And... Uh, The dude Maverick does really good at like carrying the show or not carrying it, but um, navigating the show rather. And anyway, Drake was on it and Drake was talking like a whole... He gave a lot of the backstory of what happened between him and Pusha and talking a lot more about uh, Kanye and how Kanye pretty much did him dirty. And Kanye uh, flew him out to Wyoming and was telling him that... um then he, you know, he's going to help him and he's going to produce uh, like tracks for him and give him one track, ultimately, that he like left with and he, you know, but he needs, if he's going to work with him, he needs complete transparency and stuff like that. And long story short, Drake made it seem like he, like Kanye played him, got a lot of information from him. He told him uh, about having a kid and he was telling Kanye, he like opened up to Kanye about, Having a kid and having problems with the uh, baby mama and stuff like that, and Kanye felt that Kanye gave that information to Push, and that's how Push like found out about everything. And he made a big deal about uh Push T speaking about Forty, which is a producer of Drake's and a longtime friend that has MS, and he thought that that was like crossing the line, you know, wishing death upon him, etc. And, you know, he divulged all this information, which made, if true, made Kanye look like a bitch. Made Kanye look like, you know, like grimy and um, like underhanded. But at the same time, all is fair in love and war, right? If Kanye did do that, it was like a calculated move on his part. And, you know, by all means, you know, he did that. Now, on the flip side of that which by the way like just on the topic of going too far i don't think there is a going too far and in battle rap it's like the going too far is when you pass the from saying shit on wax to the physical that's like literally the only too far besides that anything and everything that's said is fair game period so i'm on that side of that when it comes to that which is uh, pretty much the side that pushes on uh Pusha T was on the Joe Budden podcast which uh you guys should check out. I'll link to that in the episode notes as well. Let me just jot that down so I do not forget. And he was pretty much on there and he was like that he had to that you saw Drake on LeBron's show and he was getting like a lot of attention and and people kind of sort of shitting on Pusha um for it, but he said that he felt he had to like clear the air and he couldn't let him go on thinking what he allegedly thinks of how Pusha wound up with the information and stuff like that. And he also he reaffirmed the fact that he doesn't think that there's any like going too far when it comes to, to battle rap. But he he stated like for the record he didn't say that he, he wished death upon the dude um on the guy forty that has MS. Like he didn't you know if you listen to the bars, like that's not what he says. Um he says and I'm paraphrasing, but he says how, you know, tick, 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 how much time does he have type of thing, but not like directly wishing death upon him type of thing. Um, but now here's the kicker. Here's the the irony. Here's the the mic drop moment, I thought, from that Joe Budden interview. Uh, according to Pusha, allegedly, he did not get any of that information from Kanye. Um, you know, he has his own uh, disgruntled ness going on with with Kanye and all the like crazy shit that Kanye's been doing lately, and the fact that yeah uh, he didn't want to put out a seven track album, but he did so because of Kanye, and like that was you know he was vocal about it. The um uh, I forget what the girl's name is that released a seven track record as well. She you know she was against it also. She was very vocal about it, and but they did you know they're they're signed to Kanye, so they did what they had to do. They're signed to good music and um you know he's saying even even like with the whole like when drake flew out to wyoming to to kanye's and stuff like that he was like push it was like i had just flown out like the day before and then the next day i hear that drake is there's like kanye like purposely did that like kept them apart from each other type of thing and You know, here he he hears things about, you know, like Kanye working with him and like Drake was writing for Kanye and like all that type of shit. And he's like, he doesn't like that because he doesn't like the in-between shit. And he's either, I'm on your team or I'm not on your team, like type of thing. So he has his own like shit going on with Kanye, supposedly. You know, it could all be bullshit also, but who knows. It's interesting to me, though, like soap opera wise, you know. But all that aside, you know, uh, Pusha T is the president of Good Music, which is Kanye's label. All that aside, Pusha says that all the information that he got about Drake's kid and about every the majority of everything that he got was from a girl that Forty, the which is the producer guy who, um, from Drake's camp, that has MS, with a girl that Forty's been been fucking, or that Forty's been with or whatever, like his his latest girlfriend. And that he got the majority of the information from her. And he was like that. He he only came out to put it out there because uh Drake did this whole like song and dance thing on LeBron's show and, you know, trying to like prop Forty up like on this pedestal and, and trying to make it seem like so like crossing the line type of thing that Pusha did and and from Push's point of view, he said he had to come out with this information to, you know, so the truth can be out there, type of thing. And so to put Drake in a position where he had to confront 40 about this whole thing, especially because he's going the complete other way and blaming Kanye for something that Kanye had nothing to do with. Allegedly, supposedly. But the plot thickens nonetheless. And. I think that the outcome of this might be that we hear that track that supposedly was going to put an end to somebody's career that Drake says that he has um, that he shelved out of respect for uh, uh for this dude that put the kibosh on it I forget his fucking name now uh, Jay Prince and also like he didn't want to supposedly give Pusha like the time type of thing he didn't want to like warrant his shit with an answer, he said that he, he did lay the track, uh, but decided not to put it out, and stuff like that, and he, he goes into that a bit on, on LeBron's show, and saying that he he texts LeBron and said, how would you feel if I didn't respond to this type of thing, and, and I don't know, that seemed kind of not fake, but yeah, it did, it seemed kind of fake, it seemed kind of scripted, it seemed kind of like bullshitty, like some fuckery was afoot. Like when he said that, but whatever. Anyway, I think that the outcome of this might be that that track leaks, which is something that Joe Budden, I think, said in in the interview with Pusha, or maybe it was a different a different uh, Joe Budden podcast. He says that he thinks that it would leak. I, I agree with that. Like it wouldn't make sense if that came out now. And then that would reignite the beef. And then we get to hear some more bars from the Pusha side of things. And with that said, folks, this, this has been a pretty long episode. Check out the track that I told you guys about earlier, the um, Adam Sandler one, about the Uber driver that smells bad, which I'm dropping right now. And uh, listen to some ways that you can help support the podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's go. My Uber smells bad. Uber, smells bad. Smell Uber smells bad. Yeah. Uber driver. Yeah. Uber driver. Driver smells bad. Spelling, Uber driver. He got that free water if you wanna drink, drink, you know what else he got, he got that same thing. Goddamn. What the bad. fuck? Spelling, Uber driver. Yeah. Around right when I got inside, I was like, uh-oh, this Honda Civic smells just like a butthole. <laughs> what the fuck, yeah. man, come bad. on, spelling, Uber lock windows. Yeah. He rocked our Google Maps He rocked that Window 10 One thing he doesn't rock Is deodorant. Uber sales sales Uber that deodorant Got some speed stick that shit drive What the fuck uh, Come on Uber driver smells bad. I need the iPhone charge I'll pass the cord back And when you take a bath I th- I Scrub the nuts, yeah. your nuts What the fuck your nuts Common courtesy like This shit but got germs yeah. I-, I can't believe the smell in these uber oh wait i shit my pants i'll give five stars would you like to receive a short email from me once a week you know that feeling you have on a monday at work when you have absolutely nothing to look forward to except for lunch Have no fear, the Midday Monday Boost Letter is here. In this short weekly newsletter, you will receive five things. One is a photograph of the week from a photographer. A podcast of the week. I listen to tons of podcasts, dozens and dozens of podcasts, hundreds of episodes. And I cherry pick the best ones, and I share them with you here. You'll also receive a video of the week, which could be anything from a rap battle to a TED Talk. You receive a quote of the week, something to let marinate in your mind, and a word of the week so that you and I can both step up our vocab. So if any of that sounds of interest to you, check it out. Check out the subscribe page at com forward slash subscribe. Drop in your email address and you'll receive the very next one. For any writers or creatives out there, I have a questionnaire. It's a five question questionnaire that anyone is free to fill out. It's located at spuntoday.com forward slash questionnaire. And what it is, is five open-ended questions related to your craft. It's things like what inspires you to write or create whenever you don't feel the inspiration to do so. What are your favorite apps or tools or tricks to trick yourself into getting into the mind state of actually creating? What inspires you, et cetera, et cetera, stuff like that. And what I do with your responses is share them on a future episode of the podcast. Now, you can choose to remain anonymous if you choose to. You have that option right there when you fill out the questionnaire. And if you do not choose to remain anonymous, I give you a shout out on the podcast and promote for free whatever it is that you have going on. So I appreciate you in advance for sharing that with me, as well as the rest of the listeners of the Sponsored Podcast, which would stand to gain from you filling out the questionnaire. Now you can help support the podcast in a myriad of ways. One way which does not cost you anything and is most popular within the podcasting community is by shopping on Amazon using my affiliate links banner. So the way that works is you go to spontane.com forward slash affiliate links, or just click on the affiliate links tab at the top center of the page. And there you will see a banner for Amazon. You literally just click on that and it takes you to Amazon's website where you do your shopping like you normally do. It does not cost you anything extra, but Amazon will give me a kickback just for driving traffic to their website. So that would be a big help. It literally costs you nothing extra financially, just costs you a couple of extra clicks of your mouse before you do your Amazon shopping. The iTunes banner that's on that same page works the same way. So if you're purchasing music or movies or Whatever it is on iTunes, feel free to go through my affiliate link portal there as well. If you want to make a one-time uh, PayPal donation, feel free to do so. There's a PayPal donation button on there as well. Within that same tab, you'll also find a link to the Spun Today Viral Style Store. Now, the Viral Style Store is a store where you can get Spun Today merch, whether it's a coffee mug or or a t-shirt that I personally designed and spoiler alert, I'm no I'm no Ralph Lauren or you know, whoever designs Gucci stuff <laughs> but I did create the design of those shirts myself I have a couple t-shirts on there one that says, for example Right Need Every Day which is a play off of Snoop, Dre, and Nate Dog's Smoke Weed Every Day so it's Right Need Every Day with like a puff cloud of smoke behind it i have a podcast verse everybody t-shirt and uh just stuff like that so check it out the link to the viral style store is also there you can also help support the podcast on a reoccurring basis if you become a patreon supporter now patreon is pretty cool and it there's a little um video explanation of what it is and how it works but i'll try to do my best to summarize it here Basically, you sign on to Patreon, which is a free service for your account, and you can support not just myself, but any other uh, podcasters or creatives that also have Patreon pages. And you can choose to, for example, donate a dollar to them on a per episode basis. So the Spun Today podcast has two uh, episodes a month. So if you donate a dollar to it, it'll be two dollars a month, basically. And you set it up, and it just happens automatically on a recurring basis. There are just zero fees. You can cancel at any time. No hassle. No bullshit. And it's uh, it's a cool way to help support, and is much appreciated. And also, it's not just like a, for example, uh, a PayPal donation, which is just that. But through Patreon, it allows the creator, in this case being myself, to set up a reward system, if you will. So. If you donate a dollar per episode, you are considered a tier one supporter. If you donate three dollars per episode, you are a second tier supporter, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And it goes up to four tiers. And each tier gets different things. Like uh tier one gets a free Spun Today bookmark and a shout out on the podcast. Tier three gets uh gets those two things from tier one as well as a free writing piece that's not posted on, on my website or available to anyone else, etc., etc. So check that out, if you will, and uh, visit my Patreon page at patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash spun today. Another great, amazing way to help support the podcast is to rate and review it. This costs you absolutely nothing. Whether you listen on iTunes, on Stitcher, on TuneIn, on iHeartRadio, on Pocket Casts, on Overcast, on Player FM, on Google Play, on YouTube, on Tumblr, or if you listen on PodBay or any other of your favorite podcast apps. Please rate and review the episode. It really is the number one way to help the show gain traction, gain exposure. You know, you could also share it with friends and family and tell them, you know, check out what this idiot is saying. Some of it is actually pretty good. Or it all fucking sucks and you should listen and laugh. But as long as you're listening, it would be much appreciated. So rate and review the podcast wherever it is that you listen. Follow me on Twitter or on Instagram at Spun Today. Like the Facebook fan page at Facebook.com forward slash Spun Today. Subscribe to my YouTube page as well. All podcast episodes are available on YouTube as well as clipped versions for example with the random rant episodes you know I speak about a bunch of different topics instead of having the full episode alone which is also available on YouTube but you also have snippets of the different topics broken up into more digestible chunks so check that out you can also support by checking out my book make way for you tips for getting out of your own way it's a quick short read if you're looking for some inspiration and motivation and you can find out more about it at spun forward slash books there you'll find a video of me telling you all how the book came to fruition as well as a couple of audio excerpts if you're interested you can purchase it wherever books are sold kindle ibooks kobo in an ebook or paperback format which you can find on amazon also for being a spun Today listener i can also send you a free copy right there on that same landing page at sponsory.com forward slash books drop in your email address at the bottom of the page and i'll shoot you over a copy in the format of your choice and that's all i got folks thanks again for checking out this episode and as always substitute the mysticism with hard work and start taking steps in the general direction of your dreams thanks for listening